Well, good morning, friends. Welcome to part two of our series, God Only Knows, like you just saw. And this is one of those um, times during the year where we come back to this like centralized series that's super local. And so across all of our sites and different expressions, uh, our local lead pastors are taking the chance to answer that question. God only knows how the spirit is speaking to me. And so you're with me, um, part two of our series. In fact, uh, last week we started our God only knows series with like, what is the gospel? Who is it for? Uh, and how does it work? And so today I had intended to do part two of uh, kind of like almost a mini series, like, okay, so then what is a disciple? And I had affectionately named the sermon Discipleship for Dummies, and we are going to do none of that. Today, Now I can count on my left hand, the number of times in my ministry experience where I have felt a change in my spirit by the spirit uh, for what I was meant to say and meant to teach. And so that's what we're gonna do today. We're going to truck through a number of uh, a good chunk of scripture, a lot of it. Um, and I hope it'll be helpful given the season that we're in, uh, given today and our reality as a church, uh, but also the the transcendent experience that we have with the living God that illuminates what is happening in our hearts by the spirit and centers us on Jesus. And so you'll need a couple things as we start here. Like I said, we're gonna truck through a good chunk of scripture and just let the spirit speak. So it's almost like build your own sermon together here. Now you will need a pen, a piece of paper and a Bible, a pen, a piece of paper and a Bible. And if you don't have those things handy, or even if you have a device beside you, whether it be a, you know a phone device, an iPad, a a computer or whatever, whatever allows you to write some things down, uh, you will need to go and get that now. So I'm gonna sip this coffee over here, which will give you like a 15 second break to grab that. And then we are going to jump in. Ready? Your countdown starts now. Mm-hmm. Ah. All right. You have your Bible with you and uh, something to write with. We're going to be reading through Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and then John 10, starting in verse 14. Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and then John 10, uh, starting in verse 14. Now, if you are new, you're just checking us out, you've, um, you know, you're investigating spirituality or you're kicking tires around the claims and the person of Jesus, we're so glad that you're choosing to spend this time with us. I'll just kind of, indicate where in the Bible uh, we are. If you're using a device, you can actually just Google or look up um, you know, Psalm S, uh, P-S-A-L-M, Psalm 22 and 23, and you'll see them there. If you have a physical Bible, it's in the Old Testament. So the, the left side of the book and then flip through, you can even look in your index um, to the book of Psalms. And Psalms, um, the book of Psalms are a fascinating example of the invitation of God for the real experience of humanity answering the questions of suffering, of worship, of, of praise, of engagement, of honesty, um, but then also the experience of people's partnership with God. How do we experience God in the highs and the lows, in the peaks and the valleys, in, in the desert experiences, in the green pastures, in the rocky choppy waters, in the still waters? How do we experience God? together. And I'm convinced that, especially in the, these, this chunk of scripture that we're going to read, that God um, illuminates and answers the question of like honesty. Like, does, are we allowed to, do, do we experience honesty in our journey 
with Jesus? Or are we tempted to just like religify our emotions, our expressions, our feelings away? Number two, that God journeys with us in every circumstance. In every circumstance, God journeys with us. And then number three, through Jesus, that God physically, tangibly, in a tactile way, partners with us. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you don't answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Yet you're holy, set apart, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors, our fathers trusted in you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and they were saved. They trusted in you and they were never disgraced. But I'm a worm and not a man. I'm scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and they shake their heads saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord God? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and you led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth and you have been my God from the moment I was born. So don't stay so far away from me for trouble is near and no one else can help me. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. They're all around like lions. They open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. My life is poured out like water and all of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's just melting within me. My strength is dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You've laid me in the dust and it seems left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They've pierced my hands and pierced my feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies, they stare at me and they gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Oh Lord, do not stay so far away. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Save me from the sword. Spare my precious life from these dogs. Snatch me from the lion's jaws and from the horns of these wild ox. And I will proclaim your name to my brothers, my sisters, my family. I will praise you among your assembled people, the gathered ones. Praise the Lord, all you who trust him, who revere and fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the poor and the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but he has listened to their cries for help. So I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my promise in the presence of those who worship you. The poor and needy will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. For royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. So let the rich of the earth feast and worship, bow before him, all who are mortal, all whose lives will end as dust. Our children, our families will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those who are even not yet born and they will hear about everything that he has done. Because the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not fear or be afraid for you are close beside me. 
Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me because I sacrifice my life so that I can take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. Psalm 22, 23 and John 10, starting in verse 14. Now I'm gonna give us a um, 30 seconds, maybe a minute. Um, I'm gonna ask this question, what are some things that were kind of inspired, illuminated, whether it be an image, a phrase, a word, an idea that stood out as you uh, listened through that or even as you followed along in your Bible, what are some things that, that stood out? So I know this is like not the way to do a sermon, um, but here we are. So take like 15, 30, 45 seconds um, and think about a phrase or an image or an idea that stood out. And then we're gonna walk through the text together and hopefully share together. Now, once you have those things, and I'll remind you, I will get to the 30, 45 seconds of break here. Uh, I would invite you to just drop those in the chat as you have them. All right, take a few minutes or less than a minute uh, and an idea or phrase, something that stood out, write that down or uh, drop it in the chat. Go. Now, as you're writing those things down or even sharing them, um, it's fascinating. The book of Psalms is, is the invitation of a language of praise, prayer, and petition. And so in the center of the Bible, there are a ton of these little poems and songs that are reflective of people's journey and experience with God and with life, with, with the, the close divine presence of the love of God and the strange sense of abandonment by God and suffering. The, the, the wonderful experience of joy here on planet earth as a human being, and also the curious and um, despair-ridden experience of like going through those valleys and suffering. I think Psalm 22 and 23 are, are, are predicated on one another, are connected. They align with sort of like a call and callback, a call and callback. I would contend that Psalm 22 asks the question, um, does God care? Like, does God care with the plight of humanity, with our own suffering? with the crap that we have to go through, with the, the, 
the sickness that we endure, with the imbalance of power, with the, the danger of religion? Does God care about any of this? Or is God transcendent somewhere else, aloof and disconnected from his creation? And if God cares, does God care for me enough to be honest? Like, can I be honest with God? Now, maybe you, like me, have grown up in a religious tradition that was quite stoic. That was, uh, your faith life looks a certain way. It it orients itself physically a certain way. Your expression of uh, how you connect with God looks a certain way. And if you deviate from that, you're kind of in no man's land. You are in the valley of the shadow of death. I think Psalm 22, for those of us who have struggled with that, to reorient our thinking around honesty um, and being like legit with God in a, in a dark season like we are in uh, might seem strange, um, but it's invited here. So the very first line, so Psalm 22 is actually uh, in your heading, uh, in your Bible heading, if you have that open, it probably says like it's to the tune of a song. Now we don't know what that song is, um, but it, it, it suggests that this followed a melody, that, that Psalm 22 is so impactful that it was put to music for the community, for the church, the, the gathered ones, the, the assembly of Israel to remember it well. It's also fascinating that as Jesus hangs on the cross nearing his death, these are the words that are on his lips. So we need to pay attention to what is happening here. The first line that we hear is what? My God, my God, why? Why? My God, not somebody else's God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, this has typically been um, ascribed authorship to, to David, who was a king in Israel, who you know rode the wave of, of ups and downs, um, who, who um, in religious history was a person, a man after God's own heart, and then a man who departed from the heart of God as well, who committed such atrocities. And so it's this almost like a dichotomous, duplicitous, strange um, relationship that, that we see in the text that is really what it means to be human of uh, some days are really, really good and some days just suck. So David is praying in Psalm 22. He's frustrated by his own circumstances. He is, most scholars think, or the, the writer is sick. He's older. Now, if you remember, if you um, have heard or read anything about the story of David. I mean, some of his deepest lows is like, um, you know, assault, murder, uh, sexual impropriety, victimization of people who never deserved it, uh, taking other people's lives, taking other people's possessions, fighting with his own family, uh, having a son who can't stand him and seeks to kill him. These are these are deep, cavernous lows that David is going through. Um, and this section would suggest that he's much older. We don't know, but we can assume he's much older. He's sick. Uh, and he explains in the text that he feels like he is nearing death. He asks, why isn't God listening? Why isn't God here? Why isn't God like turning his face and his ears, his heart towards me? I mean, think about our ancestors like you restored them, the suffering that they went through. And he's referring to the Exodus, um, the, this, this rescue operation that God enacts on planet earth to redeem a slave nation of people who have been um, captured and enslaved by the most uh, 
the, the biggest political and uh, warring power on planet earth, the Egyptians. Um, God redeems, rescues and restores them that they will be the blessing. And so David is referring back to that covenant, which is a fancy word for promise. This promise you made to our people, God, doesn't seem like it's making, has anything to do with me today. I'm just suffering. I'm sick. I'm nearing death. My tongue like sticks to the roof of my mouth. My, I'm injured. I, I'm, I'm nearing the, the going down to the place of the dead. I'm nearing my body will just return to the dust. Does any of it matter? And does God care? And if you do care, is this okay? Like, can I be honest with you, God? Because this is rough. I think the central question that David is, is getting to is like, are you just done with us? God, are you done with us? You promised something to our ancestors. It doesn't seem like it's happening. And then there's this like little shift that happens in Psalm 22 where David reminds himself, but I will trust you. I will keep listening. If all that I have is the promise of like our ancestors, the promise of the experience of the past and how you worked then, then I'll do it. I'll keep doing what you're asking, helping serve and care for the poor, which is fascinating in the text, serving and caring for the poor, not propping up empire and power again. That is over and done with. What worked in the past of religious folks getting their way is not going to work anymore. I'll keep doing what you ask, helping serve and care for the poor and helping care for and leading our family. Our children will remember this. And hopefully, eventually, even if I die, uh, something good can come of this. And then to Psalm 23, and it feels like this is God's answer. Um, Now, Psalm 23 is another fascinating section of scripture that uh, you've probably heard it read at a funeral uh, a number of times. It's the Lord is my shepherd. And I feel like this is God's answer. So we're reading Psalm 22, where the author is... um, invited to, welcomed to be to be honest with God. God, what are you doing? Do you care? Can I be honest? This is brutal. What do we have to go on now? Like what, what was in the past is no longer, are we just dead and done? Or, or are you listening? Are you here? Do you, do you experience what we experience? Um, are you involved at all? And this feels like God's answer. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, what does a shepherd care for a sheep? Uh, how do sheep exist in isolation and singularity in their own prayer closets? No, in community. They travel together. They, they, they gain sustenance together. They are a communal animal. And this is a beautiful picture, obviously an ancient picture. Um, not that many of us have sheep. I mean, blessings to you if you do. Um, nor are many of us like sheep herders, shepherds. But this is like a common image in the ancient Near East at the time. And certainly... Um, just in the ancient world. Um, And so uh, even the landscape, the geography that scholars think that this was written in is in in a place um, that is has these like geographical flows of like um, rich and lush grassland, but also deep uh, and desperate desert. Now as a sheep, um, if you were a farmer, you did not want sheep like grazing in your fields because sheep tend to consume. Without a shepherd just left to their own vices, they just go up and down the hillside and they consume and they consume and they consume. But with a shepherd, I mean, sheep can be a very um, profitable, wonderful animal. So it's just fascinating the correlations that God um, to the inspiration of the spirit is making here. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. I lack nothing. 
He lets me rest and recover. He leads me to the source of calm water to strengthen me and to help me through the journey. And even when I'm faced with death, even when I'm feeling like everything is desperate and dead and done, he restores me. He restores me spiritually, emotionally, physically. And I am not, I do not need to be afraid because God can be trusted. You host me at your table, that God actually invites us into the luxuriousness, the the, the wide um, arms open of his love and grace and mercy for us. And he invites us to his table, to, to a meal, to fellowship, to intimacy with him. And that God provides the meal, that God provides what we need, that he anoints our heads with oil. And this is a fascinating one too. I mean, if you've ever been to a dinner party, like we all have, and you've had somebody be like, I'm so glad you're here. Let me just dump some oil on your head. I think you'll love it. You'd be like, I'm good. Like I just got this new yellow shirt. I would love for that not to get stained. I think we miss this in our uh, Western ears. So um, as a shepherd or a sojourner, as somebody who traveled through these landscapes of ups and downs, uh, oil at a dinner um, invitation was something that like, like knocked the dirt out of your hair. So you would have oil put on your head that kind of like loosened the dirt and cleaned you off. And then the, the oil was also a symbol of like the presence of the Holy Spirit, the spirit, the tangible presence of God. And so we, when we read that God hosts us at his table, provides everything that we need, including knocking off the dirt, this is the heart of God for us. You help me dust off, you clean off the dirt, you bless me, you don't curse me. You pursue me and you love me. I'm with you no matter what, that God has not gone anywhere. So Psalm 22, God, where are you? Do you care? Psalm 23, not only do I care, but I'm your shepherd. I I walk with you. God is not necessarily interested in just our eternal happiness of just like making us feel happy, happy, joy, joy every single day, just like rainbows and kitten whiskers, no matter what. No, God cares about our, our character. God cares about our joy and our centeredness on him through peaks and also valleys through lush, uh, you know, grasslands where everything is just like coming up roses and also deep cavernous um, deserts and valleys where everything seems lost. So Psalm 22, does God care? Psalm 23, yes. And God cares so much that he journeys with you. The Lord is my shepherd. And then John 10, uh, Jesus announces himself as the, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Now, Come on, we've just heard this. We know exactly the the, the um, Jewish outcasts at the time, the people who have been ostracized by religion uh, are listening to the words of Jesus. And immediately as a good Jewish boy or girl, uh, you would this would hearken you back to Psalm 22 and 23. It's like, oh, oh, I see what he's doing. Wait a minute. So God is still here. God is still here and is journeying with us now in a, tangible, historical, here person, the person of Jesus, the divine on earth, showing us what it means to love God and what it means to love each other as humans. And he says, I am the good ruler. No, the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice. Now, right before this, he's actually been in a religious argument with these uh, religious leaders who are like, do you know what you're saying? Like, you shouldn't be saying this. And in fact, like, why have you healed in John 9, this blind man? Like you shouldn't, it was Sabbath, you shouldn't be doing it. And he was just like, you guys are blind. So he's just insulted in a sense, corrected. The most religious uh, of the time and says like, I have nothing to say to you other than like your religion has made you not see 
how God is at work. And then I envision Jesus like turning to his own disciples and the crowds that have gathered. And he says to them, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is the deep and wide love, the cavernous um, depths of God's love for us that not only does God care, not only does God journey, but God sacrifices himself that he engages in and lives in and through human suffering and takes it on himself to show the deep intimacy that God intends to have, but the deep love that God has for us despite our circumstances. And so when we ask ourselves, like, where is God in suffering? The answer is right here. The answer is right here. Where is God in in a season of life where I'm sick, where my bones feel like they're just like breaking out of my skin, where my, my mouth is dry, whether physically, spiritually, emotionally, where is God right? He is right here. Where is God in the life of our church where everything just seems like a desert experience where former uh, realities are no longer our present realities, where the things that worked in the past don't work anymore? Where is God in that? Have you abandoned us? No, God is right here, right here. The good shepherd continues to journey with us. The good shepherd continues to invite our honesty. The good shepherd continues to invite us to his table of intimacy, of healing. He knocks the dust off and doesn't alleviate our suffering all the time, but enters into it, journeys alongside, links arms with us. And so brothers and sisters, um, wherever you find yourself, um, whether questioning like what is happening at the meeting house, whether it's what is happening in my own spiritual life that just seems flat or empty, whether you find yourself wondering like, does God care about me anymore? May you know that he does. May you know that God invites your honesty. May you know that God uh, journeys alongside you like a shepherd does with a sheep. And may you know that God intimately uh, uh, inhabits those words, lives in, lives with, lives beside you, caring for you and loving you and, and engaging in, with, and through your suffering and taking us towards healing together. May we be people who are along for the journey, who don't just want to see the finish line, but are committed committed to um, being a community of Christ, Jesus followers together in the highs and the lows, in the, the, the lush um, experiences of the grace and love of God, and in the deep doubts and cavernous deserts that we experience in the pain of being part of of a community and living this life as a human. And so brothers and sisters, may we echo these words together. The Lord is our shepherd. We have all that we need. He lets us rest in green meadows. He leads us besides peaceful streams. He renews our strength. He guides us along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. And even when we walk through the darkest valley, through the valley of the shadow of death, we will not be afraid for you are close to and beside us. Your rod and your staff, your push and your pull protect and comfort us. You prepare a feast for us in the presence of even our enemies. You honor us by anointing our heads or cleansing our hearts and minds uh, with oil. You knock the dust and the dirt off and our cup overflows with blessing. 
Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue us all of the days of our life and we will live in the house of the Lord forever. May we continue to follow and center ourselves on the good shepherd who lays down his life for us, who invites our honesty and who leads us in quiet, loving gentleness. And may his grace and peace go with you today. In Jesus' name and together we all said, amen.